watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I am Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte, and we have four movies for you this week. The Gray Man, Anything's Possible, Happening, and Flux Gourmet. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consumer moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And Send It Back means... Life is too short for that mess. Jason, what is up with you? Well, thank you for asking. Uh, guys, I have tough news to share. Um, it's going to be a ding-free year here on the binge because I am not going to TIFF this year. Yes, yeah. I know. I know. I know. No, it's hard for me to say. Um, I know it's hard to hear. Um, and it's all over a little uh, oopsie doops um, about my old passport. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, waiting until the last minute, well past when you know your passport has expired, is, uh, I know, something that we all do. But um, now that I have done it, I don't recommend <laughs> it. Uh, um, especially because, so basically, I was waiting. It's not, it's like, Mainly my fault. That's also partially the fault of my employer um, because they are the people that send me to TIFF. And I was waiting for the OK to kick off the whole passport renewal process. And the OK, uh, it, took, uh, it took a pretty long time. And uh, and so I actually realized while I was waiting for the OK that I was now within the official window in which I would have to do the expedited thing. Mm. And so in like. I felt like such a grown-up just because I had to like do so many things that involve like actually printing things out, um, going and getting a new picture taken, stapling that picture to those forms. I was like, I'm I'm killing it. I'm doing it. Um, I'm really doing it. And uh, and then figuring out how much I had to write the check for to make sure that they would know it was expedited. I was like, okay, like I like I'm indomitable. Nothing can stop me. Um, and then I even went so far as to go to the post office and mail it expedited and they put a little sticker on it said expedited. And I was like, nothing, but nothing will keep me from going to TIFF until the next morning when I realized that I did not actually sign the forms. <laughs> so, oh no. So got in my own way. Um, and you know, and I was like, sure. The one thing, the one thing that I didn't do is the most basic part, which is just sign the form. Um, but guys, my passport is, is, is currently at large. <laughs> my old passport is at large because you have to mail it in with your forms. And I have not yet heard back from the government. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know if they're going to just send my passport back to me and just like a gif of like Munson, Munson being like, ha ha. Um, or, or, or what, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know that I will not have a new passport to go to Canada in September. So, uh, I will, will, will not be, uh, holding forth with lots of ding sounds, uh, as we go through award season, uh, on the binge this year, I'll be watching things, uh, more or less the same time as everyone else. Uh, and, uh, so for those of you who enjoy the ding, I apologize for my oversight um, and, uh, but you know what? The movies will still come out and we will still talk about them. Um, it'll just be without everyone's favorite sound coming from me. So that is what's up with me, Rebecca. What's up with you? Hmm. Uh, sorry about your passport. I had a, a similar situation this year where I was supposed to go to a wedding in March. And as I was checking into my flight, I realized that my passport was expired. Um, that that is a late juncture to realize that. Yeah, it was. Well, I mean, I hadn't looked at my passport in like two and a half years. Well, exactly. And um, didn't even occur to me that it could have been 10 years since I got it. And mm-hmm. um, there are things you could do. You There's like a phone number you can call and you can go to an office to get it done same day. Um, but you have to have an international flight within like five days of your appointment. So I had, like, mm-hmm. booked all these flights to Mexico. So I would, like, fly, book a flight to Mexico in five days and then call the, the number and then try to get an appointment 
and there was one like in El Paso and then there was one in Seattle. There's actually a big station in L.A. So I feel like there are other ways you could have gone about it. Just well, gonna it's, put it's, it, no, it's very strange. Like I was going through um, like all you know the website and like looking for all the official things you can do. And I was like, I just want to renew it in person. And it was literally telling me you cannot renew it in person. You have to just mail it to us. You can only do it in person if you're getting a new passport. And hmm. yeah, it was very strange. Uh, and and now they just and I don't even have my old passport to like show them. So I'd have to like start from scratch. Right. It has been over three weeks since I sent mine expedited. And you and checked online. I, what do you mean check online? You can check the status online. How? Okay, we'll talk about this offline. But anyway, so what's up with me? Uh, I know they got it. I I, signed up. I know it was delivered. That's the last status I saw. Yeah, it was you can delivered. go to the web, web. We'll talk about this offline. Okay, um, guys. Also, get at us with your recommendations, guys. Let's hear it. <laughs> um, what is up with me is, um, I would say, one, we we do have um, an uninvited guest in the house, um, uh, Little Miss COVID has made her way. Mm. I, I don't have it. My, my partner, um, got it. And so I think the, she's doing well and that's mm -hmm. great. And mm -hmm. hopefully we'll be testing negative soon. Um, it has caused us to not yet listen to the new Beyonce because we kind of, you know, <gasps> want to do that together. And oh. so I feel like I'm in this weird state of, yeah, like there's a, like a present downstairs, but I can't open it yet, but I'm very oh. excited to Boy, so that to lemonade is rough. A lot, <laughs> which is great. I love that. I mean, you can't just like play it simultaneously on two speakers and just kind of like dance around to it. Like it, it's, it, not it, it, mm, it's not the same. It's not the same. I kind of want to, you know, you want to want it to be a moment. So once she feels better, I think we'll have a little dance party. She just bought me this new like little um, disco light thing. So well, I want to make a time of it, you know, once she's feeling better. Yeah. Um I mean, you have that pool, too. You could just, like, go, like, one of you sits in the pool and one sits in the hot tub and you just play it out there, you know? Yeah, uh, I, mean, I think when she feels up to going outside, I think it's hard to be like, oh, you have a fever? It's 110 degrees outside. <laughs> you want to go inside in the hot tub? <laughs> you know, that's fair. That's fair. You know what also, they say, I, I, hot tub, a fever. Um, also, <laughs> also, yeah, boil it. Boil a fever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, I like how you were referring to it as like, you know, it's like, you know, our COVID. <laughs> it's not hers. You know, like once we get over COVID, then we're going to be out there. We're going to be doing our Beyonce party. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, far, well, I'm doing okay. I mean, um, I, I feel bad that you just can't even look at like the gay internet because the whole gay internet now is just memes based on the based on the Renaissance album. I have seen some of them. I don't get them, but I'm, I'm very excited about what I've heard about it. Um, Good, as you should be. I've also been very excited by, I don't know if, if you're a fan of this show, but... Only Murders in the Building. So good. I feel like that's the show I'm looking forward to most every week. I have... Uh, uh, this is a, 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 an embarrassing blind spot for me. I have not watched it at all. Oh, um, wow. Scott okay. watches it. Scott's... It, 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 he, he's caught up. I literally just last night was like, I hear Cara Delvin's actually good on that show. And he was like, she is. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and uh, he was like, "Oh, why wouldn't she be?" I'm like, "Well, why would she be?" No, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think she's Suicide great. Squad? Yeah, but right. she, um, I feel like it's the right role for her. Um, mm. but it, mm. she's a, a strange person to see on screen. Yeah, but yeah. otherwise, it is truly, um, shocking and hilarious. I laugh so much, and I'm also so surprised at the twists mm. in the story. Um. Yeah, loving it. Ugh, Absolutely I, loving it. I really need to get into it. I mean, I, I, I've given, I've given too much of my time to my reality trash. I really have. Um, mm. I'm so behind. There's like multiple Emmy. Like I was like just last night taking stock of like, okay, what are like the biggest Emmy nominated shows that I have not watched at all? I hadn't even started the most recent season of Succession yet. Like I, oh, I, wow. I, yeah, I started that yesterday. Have not watched Only Murders ever. Have not watched The Dropout. Um, oh, oh my yeah. God! Please watch the dropout. I mean, I feel like Succession is fine because the new season isn't coming out yet, so right. you have time. True. If anything, you'll just be like, you know, ah, give me the next episode. So that's mm -hmm. that makes sense. The dropout, though, please watch it. <laughs> please watch it. It's so good. I hope you can see me. 
Yeah, I saw her on Colbert uh, promoting it the other night, and 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 she kept like, you know, he kept like calling her out for like dr- dropping into the voice, um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and it was it was a delightful appearance. She seems crazy. Um, Amanda Seyfried, I mean, not obviously Elizabeth Holmes, but <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm 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 behind. Uh, I need to, and and all yesterday, all I did was watch two movies that we're about to review. Uh, That's great. So. <laughs> great. Should we start that then? Let's do it. Let's do. Uh, let's start with the Gray Man. When the CIA's top asset, his identity known to no one, uncovers agency secrets, he triggers a global hunt by assassins set loose by his ex-colleague. So this is by the Russo brothers. Um, it's adapted from a book by some Tom Clancy-like guy. <laughs> Which is always so funny when a movie like this, it's like, hard, it's like pictured as a book. Like as no. you're watching it. Like how can you picture this as like a written expression of like, and then there's a fist fight and then a guy runs and then there's another fist fight and then a guy <laughs> falls through a ceiling and then there's a fist fight. And then and then and then a gun goes off a bunch and then and then people run and then like I, I don't action based like action based literature is just hilarious to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like and it's funny to think that like of the gray man being like in a list of like literary adaptations next to like atonement, you know. <laughs> uh, right, anyway. because I so the movie is starring um, Ryan Gosling as this top CIA top asset. Known as six, mm-hmm. is it six something or just six? I don't know. Six. Um, <laughs> and his character is like purposefully not verbose. He, he's like right. very mild mannered, and that also seems like it would be terrible for a book. Yeah, that too. It's a good point. It's a good point. I I, I wonder how loose of an adaptation this is. Yeah, maybe. Um, so the, it's kind of set up in this in the system where. Um, you know, as we mentioned, uncovers agency secrets. There's this sort of coup in the CIA department, and there's a, like some some backstabbing and some agency leadership. And maybe that's where the book is. Maybe that's what the book is about. Like that kind of like, um, I don't know, workplace yeah. politics. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that are also global politics. Mm-hmm. Right. Just uh, like, anyway, like, enough about like, the book. Like Thomas Pynchon before it. Uh, it's just exactly. <laughs> Because it certainly feels watching it uh, like just the most basic threadbare of like elevator pitches. Like, okay, so imagine like a handsome off between (laughs) Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, and Reggae John Page. And it's like, it's bot. Like, you don't need to know, like, what else is there? Like, oh, and Anna de Armas? What? You know, (laughs) um, you know, like, that's, that's, that's all it is. Uh, You know, this is just like a, a, a vehicle for, the collective good looks of four mm-hmm. actors. And like the that, collective fighting effects that the Russo brothers have learned through doing the Avenger movies and, you know, taking to like a human only um, group of characters. So it's, yeah, it's like all the looks of things, beautiful fight scenes. I think the first, mm-hmm. the first kind of fight scene, it takes place in this, in the middle of this like firework um show firework show <laughs> sure, and yeah. it's so cool looking it is mm-hmm. i'm like i'm like so i tv 3d what is going on here this is bananas because we know how you love 3d so you of course <laughs> so you were you were tickled you're like oh, it's happening it's happening <laughs> i think i have to pay extra for it <laughs> yeah what a weird what a weird book <laughs> yeah. no, I it. anyway really curious really curious so were you, um, you know, when you hear things like the Russo brothers are going to reunite with any of the Avengers, like they did previously with Tom Holland on Cherry and now with Chris Evans on this, does it, are you, do you, does the Marvel fan, you get excited about that kind of yeah, reunion? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the main reason I wanted to see this was because of the Russo brothers, not only because of, I think they did a great job at the Marvel movies that they directed, but also Arrested Development, um, mm-hmm. you know, also Hometown Pride. I kept wondering if Cleveland was going to end up being one of the locales. They they switch locales <laughs> in this movie a lot. It's mm-hmm. also unnecessarily they keep switching between cities that are oh, yeah. kind of similar. Okay, is it Vienna <laughs> or Berlin? I it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I was Sol and I were texting through the whole thing, which was a lot of fun. I should show you the memes. Um, but I was like, hopefully Cleveland. Um, and she was like, are they shooting Vienna for Cleveland? <laughs> 
over Cleveland. <laughs> oh my god. For imagine they're like showing like the Venice Canals and it says like the flats. <laughs> it's a lot of Eastern European food, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. True, true, true. Oh um, my god. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, it's disappointing. I mean, I wanted to like it. And that got me through about three quarters of the movie. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, it did not hold up anymore. I was like, okay, I have to admit that this is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I it did not did not enjoy this movie. Um, I was I similarly was like, okay, like based on the opening, you know, a scene, this like, you know, big uh, you know, showcase uh, you know, neon lit fight scene playing out in the middle of fireworks and all that stuff. And, you know, it's like, Oh, cool. All right. Um, and you know, Ryan Gosling like certainly has a penchant for playing, um, you know, strong and silent protagonist and this kind of thing, like going back mm-hmm. to like drive and right. you know, it's, it's a character he does well. Um, and he got to like, kind of have a little bit, I feel like the only, this movie only succeeds because of the kind of, magnetic star power of its of its actors mm-hmm. um you know like that's literally the only thing that 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 can commend it insofar as it can be commended be, as being in any way notable or 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 like in any way not just the most generic possible international action thriller um and it mainly is the most generic possible international action thriller um but also, you have Chris Evans in a trash dash. So um, <laughs> it is the red is... notice of 2022. <laughs> it is, and you know, and, and I will say, Chris Evans. I don't know if it's working with And Armas that brings this out in him, but when he is playing a character who is like a villainous little bitch. <laughs> oh my god! He just my favorite just, thing. Yeah, it's like, where is this Chris Evans? Like, you know, it, it, it's such a, of course, day and night from from Captain America. To see him just like twirling his little trash dash, uh, you know, like in 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 Knives Out, you know, he he looked mm-hmm. so smug. The whole memes are created, you know, putting like long talon like nails on him, um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the bonnets bonnets on nails out. Uh, <laughs> memes came from that, and now in this, like, he is just having such a ball, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being this mustachioed villain. It is for me. Far and away, the best thing about the movie is just Chris Evans just going for broke as this villain. Yeah, he doesn't always get to do that. Uh, you know, Chris Evans is like a, you know, he's just a go-to handsome leading man. Um, so, but it's nice when he gets to lean into some some different energy than what he usually is summoned to bring. And maybe it's Anne Armas because she was there in Knives Out as well. So I don't yeah. know. But uh, he just so, hates her so much. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, her again, huh? Uh, <laughs> she knows what she did to Ben Affleck. I'm going uh, to. You know. <laughs> I uh, 100% agree that that he's the best part. And I think that the only thing that even ruins that for me at the end is is the writing. He has this mm. like unnecessarily uh, wordy, silly monologue. And it's just. It yeah it sort of ruins it. He is yeah. by far the best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who who you got in the handsome off here? We have going between uh, Evans, Gosling, and Page. Oh my God, no question, no question, Chris Evans. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even though he has that mustache, which, the mustache looks great. Yeah, he he he's working the mustache. The way he fills out these like these like patterned pants he wears, <laughs> like the wardrobe is also very like he's not wearing generic clothing. He's wearing the sort of like I don't even know how to describe. I mean, um, it, it, the for those of us who who know us in in real life, that we know a fellow that looks just like him in this movie. It is the strangest we thing do. I've ever seen. They dress the same way. He has the same mustache. He's a great guy named Tim. Uh, who mm-hmm. lives in the Bay Area, and um, it that kept that kept me confused for a long time. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. It was that was all. It was an uncanny, uncanny resemblance. It's like a very and, '60s swinging kind of retro. Yeah, look. yeah. It's kind of yeah. It's like a retro, almost kind of golfery look at times. Uh, and but like it just it suits him. It just suits him. Um, you know, and it's 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 no easy thing to go against Ryan Gosling and Reggae Jean Page. 
Um, but uh, but he does, and he somehow comes out on top um, in in the fan fiction I'm writing. Um, <laughs> so and then uh, and then old old, old ADA, uh, they're doing nothing in particular. Nothing, um, <laughs> nothing. Oh man, they try to make the. I, I'm surprised at how unfunny it was. I mean, again, I, mm-hmm. you know, the Russo brothers are pretty hilarious, and that yeah, that was surprising that they try to make these kind of like little jokes land. And again, Chris Evans's lines were were, were good, and and yeah. it was mostly in the way he delivered them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they try to kind of make these like little inside jokes between uh, Anna Darmas and and Ryan Gosling stick, and it doesn't. No, no. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the what exactly they are. What's going on? Um, Did you see Cherry? I didn't, unfortunately. Okay. well, I'm not. Or maybe fortunately. (laughs) I'm not going to say anything about Cherry for reasons. Um, But I will say that I I similarly was 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 disappointed that they were responsible for this movie, The Gray Man, um, and that it had like virtually none of the humor that has been like the hallmark of, of all of their best work. And then, you know, on the Netflix of it all, um, of course, we've all seen the reports throughout, you know, this year of, of, you know, the sort of financial crises that Netflix has been in and the ways their business has kind of had to kind of shrink in their kind of course correcting and laying people off. And, and apparently this is, this, this is meant to be their new strategy for film is rather than just doing like the famously like Netflix, your greenlit thing of just like, you know, like just throwing 40 new movies on there a day that no one watches, like they wanted to be more selective and kind of like having them be these, these big tent poles, like a gray man. And this movie's doing so well for them that they've now like greenlit a whole like universe of spinoffs and sequels of the gray man. And I'm just like, but how? About who? About what story or idea? Suzanne! Because... <laughs> yes. There's yeah, this uh, bureaucrat in the way. I mean, this, there were parts of this movie that I personally found funny about how, like, <laughs> everyone from Harvard is... <laughs> oh, yeah. Lots of that. <laughs> inspiring, Lots bumbling of... fool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lots of that. But, but yeah, you know, this... this movie was $200 million to make. Yeah, it is crazy. It is crazy. And it's just, and it's just, it's just a nothing of a movie. It's just an absolute nothing of a movie. Like I, I barely remember a second of it. Like when I think of it, I think of the trash dash, and that's it. That's that's. that's I remember really... the part that got me upset, where <laughs> it was the last straw. It's kind uh, of, the, it's in the last, uh, last third of the movie, and uh, so the, so Chris Evans is kind of this, um, loose. Um, mercenary who's employed by the CIA operatives here to to get back Ryan Gosling's character because he's got some information. And so he's throwing, you know, everything, all the kitchen sink at trying to get him back because Chris Evans, or I'm sorry, um, Ryan Gosling is, you know, so good at evading all these assassins that are out. And they they throw a lot of people at him. Um, And so finally they kind of get this this last guy um, and his name is Lone Wolf, which is already like, oh, okay. Um, his, he's played by um, Avik San, and he goes in. He's supposed to be kind of the, you know, the, the best of the best. He gets the thing back, and as they're kind of having this last attack, he gives the thing, this item that has the information, I'm going to spoil it here, back to um, Ed Amas, who's on, you know, um, Ryan Gosling's side because he says, I don't care about the money anymore. These are bad people. <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> How convenient. In what world is this man who has been an assassin mercenary for, for 30 years now doesn't care about the money anymore because they're bad people. And, and the other part that kind of <sighs> happens at the same time that makes me, that made me really upset at this movie is, you know, the, there's this little girl who's been kidnapped who kind of already has one, one foot out the door, to be honest. And, uh, <laughs> and like everyone, all of these like killers yeah. are like, there's a girl. I don't know. It made me, it made me really appreciate black widow once again, even more where, with the all brutal roads. honesty of like, nobody cares about missing girls. Yeah. <laughs> um, all roads, all roads lead to black widow. I mean, it's a great yeah. movie. Yeah. It's yeah. just and the, ridiculous. And this was not a great movie. This is a send it back for me. This is a send it back for me as well, unfortunately. Yeah. 
It's streaming on Netflix and it's rated R. (laughs) (laughs) Movie number two. Couldn't be more different. Anything's possible. This coming-of-age film follows Kelsa, a confident high school girl who is trans, as she navigates through her senior year. When her classmate Kyle gets a crush on her, he musters up the courage to ask her out, despite the drama he knows it could cause. I feel like you made me watch this movie because of the disagreement we had last time about a coming-of-age queer movie. <laughs> um, it was, it, it, uh, f- false. Um, I, it, it, you know, I, I threw it on the docket here just because it was like, um, I think it was maybe the opening night film at Outfest, um, the L.A. LGBTQ plus film festival that just wrapped here in L.A. recently. And there was a ton of coverage about it. And I was like, oh, I'm excited to watch that. When's it going to come out? And I was like, oh, what's that it's coming out in prime video like the same week? OK. So I was just excited um, because all the coverage of it was really positive and, you know, directorial debut, Billy Porter. Um, and so, but yes, as I started to watch it, I did feel, um, I almost felt like it's funny that we both, we both felt trolled by me. Um, <laughs> because I was like, well, I did this to myself because here I just came off this episode where I was like ranting against these like gay movies I didn't like or, or didn't like as much as you or as the case may be respectively across Fire Island and, and Crush. Um, and, uh, so I was like, and now here I am watching another, I feel like I almost never watch any movies anymore. And the only ones I watch are gay coming of age movies or queer coming of age movies. And I'm, and I, and I have publicly made it clear that I don't want to watch any more of them. And now, <laughs> and now I've signed myself up for another one. Uh, so yes, I, I also was, was, was angry at me, uh, for, <laughs> for finally we agree on, on something. <laughs> Send you back. <laughs> Listen, I mean, if you if if not for the unwanted visitor in your house, you would be able to go see Nope, and we could have dropped this one from the docket altogether. Um, <laughs> but uh, but as the case may be, we are here to talk about anything's possible, which is not filmed in Cleveland, but Pittsburgh. It is, yeah. Pittsburgh filmed beautifully. Billy Porter is one of Pittsburgh's uh, brightest native sons, uh, so he, he knows the city well. And uh, and I'm sure the city is very appreciative of the beautiful light that he uses to film it. Gorgeous. Uh, it really does. They they could shoot Vienna for Pittsburgh. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, because you know, we got the we got the the bridges and we got the rivers and you mm-hmm. know, looks like Pittsburgh is nothing if not the Vienna of Pennsylvania. So I always <laughs> always said that. Always always always. Uh, so, but yeah, uh, and I will say that it also <laughs> makes it look as if Pittsburgh has a very cool happening high school, uh, yeah. <laughs> in, in just a gorgeous, massive building right in the water, uh, right in the middle, right on down, right in downtown, right there on the rivers, <laughs> right there by the point, uh, in, in, in what I'm almost certain, I think I'm almost certain that the building they use is actually a hotel I used to stay at for like my like Christian conventions during college when we would come from Kent to Pittsburgh for this thing called Jubilee. But anyway, um, so yeah, this is um, being positioned as something fresh and unexpected um, on the queer coming of age front uh, because it centers a protagonist who is a a young uh, trans teen girl of color. And that indeed uh, I believe has not been done before. Um, so we have an opportunity to have that story told, um, you know, for the first time by, you know, somebody of Billy Porter's magnitude, who of course has been the star, was the star of Pose, uh, across the run of that series. And, um, and, and yeah, and, and it's, 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 I thought it was generally speaking, oh, before you get any further into it, um, <laughs> there was a text that you sent me, um, within the first minute of watching the film. And what did that text say? Um, Wiki Roy. <laughs> Although I would, I would say it should be in the voice of her pretending to be her assistant, which is like I can't do the accent. <laughs> yes, because uh, the mother of Kelsa in this film is played by none other than Renee Elise Goldsberry, Tony-winning star, and also more importantly to us, Wiki Roy on Girls Five Eva. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You also made a sterling discovery about how many years Renee Elise Goldsberry has been on this earth. Yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna share that. Uh, you can look it up if you want. I just. She's older than I thought she was, but then I was like, oh yeah, I guess she was in that other thing. 
Hamilton, and that was on for a while. <laughs> but even that was only like six years ago. <laughs> I said it feels like it's been forever. <laughs> I know, well, that's six years ago. It feels like 100 years ago. Fair enough. But, uh, but yes, so um, Renee Elise Goldsberry, arguably, I think, probably the biggest name on camera in this film. Otherwise, we have a lot of really um, exciting young stars who were new to me um, uh, being cast in these roles. Uh, Ava Rain is the actress who plays Kelsa. And I think this is her first, I think she hasn't really acted before. She's more, she's like a sort of a prominent young activist. Um, and then she was cast in this role and she, she's a natural. Uh, oh, 100%. She, yeah, she brought just such warmth and humor and interiority to this character. She's really sort of a dream rom-com protagonist because mm. like she is so instantly likable. And you just so you just effortlessly connect with her and root for her. Um, and uh, and then the um, very handsome young man um, playing the person understandably smitten with her. Uh, he is an actor named um, Abu Bakar Ali. And uh, and boy, <laughs> real, real handsome gentleman who also apparently I was looking him up naturally and um, he's like. <laughs> And he's like Juilliard educated actor. And that come, I, I was like, that, that tracks because he definitely doesn't seem like it's his first time at the rodeo. Like he definitely, mm. he, he's a pro. Uh, he, he definitely brought a lot of dimension and charm um, to this character as well. Um, and one conversation I figured we would have about this is I know when we were talking about crush, uh, you know, I was, you know, talking about, you know, my feelings of, like, whatever, exasperation with this kind of, like, this fantasy level of over-inclusivity um, that the movie seemed to have. Um, whereas in Anything's Possible, the the nature of, uh, of her trans identity um, becomes a source of conflict, not right out of the gate, but is a source of conflict whenever Call um, and, and her begin to date. Um, so, and of course, I mean, like movies require conflict for a story to happen. Um, but I, I, and I found this conflict to be believable. Um, you know, I think even, you know, watching something like Pose, which was made, you know, by, for, and about, uh, trans women, particularly trans women of color, you know, it did not ignore the, the conflicts, uh, and, and obstacles that, that are thrown into its protagonist past living in a, in a transphobic culture. Um, I think it's, you know, how it presents that, you know, like, is it doing it with, with honesty? Is it doing it with truth? Is it doing it with compassion? Um, and is it, is it, is it still centering um, the trans person's experience as opposed to the cis people around them? And I, I thought this movie did a really, a really good job of, of centering uh, uh, Kelsa during that conflict while also telling the story of Call and of, of the sort of conflict he has with his friends who feel like he is, you know, doing something taboo um, that that, you know, casts aspersions on his sexuality. Um, you know, it's 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 you know, it's definitely a, a, a sensitive and complicated subject to center a coming of age film around. But I thought this movie pulled it off uh, pretty impressively. What did you think? Uh, I, I agree. I think I mean, I still like that the conflict in crush was um you know which which girl did she like and mm -hmm. it wasn't like her sexuality mm -hmm. i still think that there's a, a a place for that and that that it's refreshing and nice to have this you know have it not be um around the the biases and, and prejudices of her classmates or her family um now this movie i think tells the story of conflict involving um, uh, LGBTQA plus people in, in another very interesting way, which is, you know, it starts off where you kind of think it's going to be an environment more similar to Crush, where everybody is okay with everything, and there's uh, it's like a very accepting school and, and family situation. Mm -hmm. But I, I thought it, it's interesting that what happens is that there is a moment of conflict around uh, who likes, who is certain, who this, this boy likes. Mm -hmm. And that 
it it highlights how fragile everyone's um, uh, understanding and compassion and open mindedness can be when something affects them personally, right? So mm. both his best friend and her best friend kind of have um, a conflict with the main characters. One is kind of more related to the fact that like of, you know, what does this mean about Kyle's sexuality? And the other one is about, you know, which boy likes Kelsa? And, you know, the it shows how um, you're always at risk of the thing that you think everyone accepts you for be, coming out and being the thing that is used against you. And mm. I thought that was, again, it was a little bit more of um, a bummer in terms of a movie watching experience than, than I think mm-hmm. Crush was, which is like, oh, you know, you, you like the wrong sister. Um, and this one's like, oh, right, everyone is okay with you so long as everything's okay. But when something goes wrong, the first thing to come out is your all of the prejudices and biases we see reflect in the world today and everyone can turn mm-hmm. against you. And that's, I, again, it was done in a really interesting way. I think it's really good, but it's also a bit of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's very well said. Um, and yeah, I, I love that kind of way of looking at it of being like, okay, it's about this like seemingly very modern, very progressive, very inclusive high school um, that, you know, in which we don't experience, we don't even experience um, Kelsa having any conflict about about being trans from other students up until this relationship. And then the relationship, like you said, it unmasks what actually is there underneath for these people who were the closest people to them in their lives. Um, or even not that, even if it wasn't there underneath, it was like, how can I weaponize this thing mm-hmm. that exists in the culture against this person? Even if right, leading into right into the one in particular, right. very bummer storyline that comes out of it. But, you know, but I feel like I would say, though, you know, I don't feel like it's to comparing this to Crush. Like, I'm not saying that I wanted there to be. Uh, I think Crush can tell its story without there being any element of homophobia, because culturally, I think that is that is realistic, um, or at least it can be. Whereas I think to tell a story like with anything possible without having there be some sort of conflict around transphobia, frankly, just wouldn't feel realistic uh, to me in terms of where we're at culturally around trans issues, which, of course, is deeply, deeply regrettable um, that they have been assailed so aggressively um, in the last you know, six years, almost immediately right after they began to make such great strides. So, you know, so I, I felt like it's 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 more believable anything's possible that it does sort of trigger these things and then it turns into unfortunately a bathroom thing um and although it does lead to renee Lee's goldsberry going full cease and desist bitch on mom <laughs> <laughs> uh. so i do i do pressure. i do appreciate it for that reason and that reason alone um but yeah so i guess i just felt like it would be dis like as much as yes there you know it'd be nice for there to be stories about love stories like this one um, that don't have to involve some degree of recognition of the very real barriers that the characters would encounter in real life, Uh, you know, at least based on, you know, sort of their age, their location. Um, You know, I I think that this, it told it in in a sensitive way, in a way that ultimately, hopefully could move someone's heart if they watch it. And maybe they are somebody who would be like, oh, I don't know if I am now okay with that. You know, that it would show through the humanity of these characters, um, you know, would help move them, would help change their heart, um, you know, to be uh, to examine those 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 prejudices and to ask why they feel that way. You know, I think there's also uh, another um, strong storyline here, which is Kelsa's struggle with who she is, who Mm. she wants people to know. So she has this YouTube channel that she's um, makes videos for. privately that nobody knows about until a little bit later. And that becomes part of the story, but her struggle with like being excited to go to college where, you know, she can sort of not have to be brave, not have people don't know her past. And part of going through this struggle is her realizing that, you know, she is her past and her future and her present all, all together. Mm. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think that the, this is the story that, they wanted to tell. And I think they told it really well. I, I do think there's a world where you could tell a story of a teen t- trans romance that isn't, um, doesn't also have 
you know, bigotry involves, it depends on how you said it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, also we watched a movie where a woman has sex with a car, like anything is, anything <laughs> is possible. Um, but I oh, think this listen, was... always goes right to, Oh, what's next? Sex with cars. <laughs> <laughs> Classic you. <laughs> um, anything is possible in movie magic. Um, oh man, I just saw the best TikTok of someone reenacting the Nicole Kidman movie theater, but about Trader Joe's. It was fantastic. Oh, oh god. Um, okay. Well, you'll have to send that to me. But this uh, is stellar. Yeah. This 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 is a binge for me mm-hmm. for sure. It's beautiful. The acting is wonderful. The the it's sincere. It's funny. It's also you know bright and um, exciting. I love this. Mm-hmm. Too inclusive. Send it back. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and no, I it, and yeah, you made a great point about um, yeah the 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 depth that it goes into in terms of Kelsa and her relationship with her own identity and with how you know she, her concerns about how other people see her and tokenize her um, and you know see her first as trans or they see her as anything else or it, it really just yeah the the emotional intelligence and 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 complexity of this is just incredible um it is also a budget for me wonderful um anything is possible is streaming on hulu and it's rated pg-13 movie number three is happening in 1963 student anne has a bright future ahead of her but her dreams of finishing her studies are shattered when she becomes pregnant as her final exams approach anne decides to take matters into her own hands this is a French film. Um, I don't know anything about the director or actors. Do you, Jason? <clears throat> I don't. I was just thinking, oh, I should have looked that up. Um, but, but... <laughs> I know it is directed by Audrey Duan, but I don't know uh, any of the other movies um, she has done. The Connection, The Man with the Iron Heart. Yeah, I, nope. Uh, the, I think this is only her, in terms of directorial efforts, this is only her second, uh, her second film. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and then the lead actress, uh, her name is Anna Maria Vartolome. Uh, and yeah, I think she also is relatively, um, on the newer side. Um, this is a film that came out earlier this year. Um, so it's, 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 it's more of a recent than a new release, but when I was thinking about movies to cover um, as we're hitting this sort of point in, in summer where a lot of the bigger blockbusters are kind of already behind us and we're not quite in fall yet. Um, and of course, wanting to take advantage of the momentum that we have after what we made very clear was a scheduled nine month break. Um, I was like, Oh yeah, I wanted to watch that movie because this it was released in spring and it was around the time that we, be, that the Supreme court leak happened and we found out what was coming regarding Roe, there were a ton of articles about this movie um, being like, oh, this movie is now more important than ever. It's more important than ever that people go and see this movie so you can experience um, its depiction of what life was like um, before, um, you know, reproductive freedom was was available. Um, uh, whenever, you know, whenever it still had to be, um, you know, something that was done um, discreetly and often dangerously. And um, and and unfortunately, I guess SCOTUS didn't watch it. Um, so but this film, all the same, uh, it's 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 wild to think this movie was made and initially even released back when Roe was still the law, was still was still settled law. And now here we are watching it mere months later and it is not. Uh, it is a real gut punch um, and watching this movie, it's it's. I was I was watching it. I'm still I think this was the first story really about abortion and about reproductive freedom that I have watched since um, Roe was taken down. And I, so I found myself kind of needing to correct myself watching it, because, like, I think, you know, it, we've obviously there have been, you know, sort of abortion has been a, a storyline in many films and TV shows uh, over the years. And Roe has been settled law for as long as you and I have been alive. So literally every single thing we've ever seen about it. We watch as people living in a country um, where Roe v. Wade was settled law. This was my first time watching a story about abortion while we have not lived in that country. 
And it was so surreal to to watch it in that in that kind of Handmaid's Tale way of being like, oh shit, like this is now not even where we're going, which is what we always think when we watch Handmaid's Tale. Oh, this is where we're going. Now it's watching and like, oh, we're here. We're here. There is now no distance between parts of this country and the harrowing journey uh, that the character Anne goes on in this film. Yes, all that all that is true. I was thinking about um, some of the other powerful stories about even abortion access that we've seen lately, though, um, such as uh, what is it? Rarely, no, no never, yeah, never, rarely, never, rarely, sometimes, always. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I can't think of the name of the other one we reviewed. Uh, it was sort of a comedy where they go oh, yeah. to get Plan B. Mm-hmm. I think it was called Plan B. Plan B. That was lovely. <laughs> I really, that was really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are these sort of, you know, uh, similar stories, I think, in terms of like uh, showing the devastating struggle, um, even when you know, Roe was still a part mm-hmm. of our. Um, right. And, and never and never rarely was tied back to an interview you did years ago about trap laws. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, in that film, you know, the reason that our character has her entire journey she goes on is because she has to leave Pennsylvania and go to New York to be able to obtain an abortion um, because she is a minor. Um, and in Pennsylvania, due to trap laws, she is not able to have the procedure without mm-hmm. her parents being involved. Um, so, but yeah, all of that now seems, you know, uh, almost, you know, quaint. Um uh, given given what's happened. And so happening, it definitely takes you back to more of that kind of the HBO classic movie, If These Walls Could Talk era mm-hmm. um, of, uh, of stories. So we yeah, have it definitely, here... Handmaid's yeah. Tale was a good, was a good um, analogy as well. It's a sort of like anachronistic future past movie of, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. a tale of how things were and how things seem to will easily be again. Exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, one thing that Happening does very well is it, you know, it really gives you a very grounded story about just one woman and the ways that a forced birth would destroy her life. Uh, We, you know, we, we meet Anne, we, you know, we kind of gather very quickly that she is just like, she is a really enthusiastic student. She is very bright. Um, she has, you know, clearly like she's, she's taking her exam, she can read for exams. She wants to, you know, she has the potential to become a teacher or, 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 you know, just really pursue her intellectual interests. Um, she, um, is, you know, then finds out that she is pregnant. Um, and we, you know, the, the movie, uh, kind of takes you on a bit of a journey to find out, you know, what exactly the source of her pregnancy is, um, which ultimately is irrelevant. Um, and then we just see her having to speak in code because um, the movie takes place in early 60s France. So, um, there's all, and, you know, I think even even seeing it happen in France, I think, you know, we all certainly in America view France as a sort of like bastion of, of you know, of sort of more progressive, uh, you know, values on on these things. But certainly a reminder. For men. That, for white yeah, men. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, so, you know, we watch her. Um, undergo this this private journey because she tells she 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 tells no one that she is pregnant, um, and and so she attempts to get information very discreetly from doctors. Um, you know she and and, and receives a lot of scorn uh, from them for even even bringing it up. Um, she and not to mention deception. Uh, you know, she ultimately tries to plead her case to a guy who is sort of like a classmate who's known to be like a, a ladies man, um, because she's like, well, you've been with a lot of, a lot of girls, you know, like have any of them ever needed help, you know? Um, and even he is appalled that she would say such a thing. Um, it is, yeah, it, it is a, it is a gripping and upsetting journey. Uh, that she goes on uh, because even of course, when she uh, is able to get access to the thing that she is looking for, it's still <laughs> horrifying um, because again, it is, it is not, 
it is not and officially this is not somebody who's medically trained because there is no such thing in, in at that at in this in this time and place um so yeah it, it's definitely not a fun watch um i i did think that it was very i thought you know it was very cinematic in its in its visual approach um i think it's evocation of the period era is 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 beautifully done i think the lead performance as Anne, I think she is incredible. I mean, she has to convey so much through so few words in this film. Um, I think it, you know, it it really captures a kind of almost similarly um, to anything's possible in a way. It kind of um, shows that that kind of the unexpected betrayal that you can get from your closest friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and um, also for the for the folks who may have something, you know, this is sort of like competitive classmates um, who there ends up being a, a bit of a surprise to the term, but like how, you know, rumors get around and it's used again to weaponize, mm-hmm. like really left all alone in this experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was definitely a big, big strange of a candy Virgin Jerry episode energy uh coming from the 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 shaming um mm-hmm. that Anne has to endure. Right. And also, uh, you know, sort of the response of, of her male friend who had mm-hmm. been, you know, kind of a seemed like a trusted confidant at the beginning, is that like, oh, so you have sex and you're pregnant. So it right. things get very mm-hmm. um predatory there. It's yeah. it, it's a situation that is so isolating for her and also can the more she tries to seek help, the more isolating it becomes. Absolutely. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So it is a horror. You know, I would say this is more of a horror movie than Flux it Gourmet. Is. It is absolutely more of a horror movie than Flux Gourmet. Um, it is, especially like one as, as we got into that kind of back end of the movie, um, as this, you know, as, as efforts are not succeeding, I, I definitely consciously had that thought of this is a horror movie. Right, the clock is ticking. Mm-hmm. You are also like strapped to the timelines. You know, it shows up. Mm-hmm. Like it's two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, and yeah. you feel the desperation and the panic of being uh, trapped in the situation with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, you know, and then we, you know, see even you know this thing that she wants more than anything. Her studies start to slip away because she's contending with this nightmare, and yeah. So it's 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 incredibly effective. Um, it's very well done. It's not a fun watch, um, but I but I do think that you know it is. Well, I mean, of course, it's that frustrating thing, right? Like nobody who's going to watch this probably is against reproductive right, right. freedom. Um, so, but you know, certainly as a film that chronicles the way things were and the way and the way things are becoming again in parts of the country. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. I, I, I can't say there's anything wrong with it <laughs> as a movie. It's just not fun, but uh, I am going to give it a binge it. Oh, I'm absolutely also giving it a binge it. Um, and happening is available to rent on Apple and Amazon. It's also streaming on AMC plus and it is rated R. I also watch on AMC plus. <laughs> I was like, Oh, free trial. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, I think I wrote down the wrong thing for anything's possible. It's not Hulu; it's Amazon Prime Prime Video. Oh yes, that's true. It is on Prime Video. Um, our last movie this week is Flux Gourmet, set at an institute devoted to culinary and elementary performance. A collective finds itself embroiled in power struggles, artistic vendettas, and gastrointestinal disorders. <laughs> and one connection this movie has to happening is Quack Doctors. <laughs> this one is billed as a horror movie, right? Uh, you, I never, I, I did not think it was going to be a horror movie. I know you were, we, when we were, you were concerned there was going to be vomiting in this, and you were like, "Is that horror movie going to have vomiting?" Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, "I don't think so." Um, I, yeah, I was not expecting to be horror per se, but I, I was really jazzed to watch this because um, the director Peter Strickland, his last movie was called In Fabric. And it was one of my favorite tiff ding. There's one discoveries a couple years ago. <laughs> um, it is just, he definitely um, leans into like the visual motifs and sort of like cult horror of the seventies. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but yeah, I I, I knew, but I, but frequently more in the service of like a just a dark comedy. So mm-hmm. I didn't expect this to be horror, even though it kind of has that kind of look to it. Yeah, um, I think it, I think it like you know I had just looked it up to see where to stream it, and some like search chip or something had said horror. So okay. um, yeah. and I think there are elements of it that are a little grotesque, but um, <laughs> oh yeah, I would definitely call this a dark comedy. Um, yeah. He also directed The Duke of Burgundy, which was the, yes. the film of his I had seen. Um, but I do want to see In Fabric. And I also want to see, after reading the description of his I think, first movie, which oh, would have Barbarian been Barbarian Sound, Sound Studio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The premise really, of that is interesting. Yeah. His, and his, clearly, has, sound is a very significant thing to him, uh, since this film is also entirely about sort of the curation of sound uh, by these performance artists, uh, the, right. the, uh, the sonic, the culinary, uh, the sonic caterer, the sonic caterer. Yeah. yeah let's explain a little bit about the sort of <laughs> we can alternate try. reality that this lives in. Um, knock yourself so... out. <laughs> yeah. Let me try. So this world, um, okay. This world. Okay. Let's also just make this connection quickly. Um, Peter Strickland is also half Greek, and one of the actresses in this movie is married to um, uh, Yorgos Lanthanos. Oh, uh huh, yeah. Who mm-hmm. is the director of movies such as The Lobster? Um, and there is a very sim- similar uh, angle here, like comedy wise, like al- alternative reality wise, where these, Dead, these are strict rules. Yeah, deadpan. deadpan the the like pseudo intellectual or like you know pseudo scientific um, realities that aren't that don't exist in our world um, and and also I think like the cinematography is very similar mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so this did give me strong Red Lobster vibes in you know there's this house where these things happen and this is just the world they live in did and you here mean, did you mean to say Red Lobster just now no. <laughs> I was like, that's a very funny joke, Rebecca. <laughs> like, imagine if it's a, instead of a lobster, it's more like red lobster. Uh, all right, just checking. Yeah, that would be. That's the that's the crossover. It's a bit of one foot in food and one foot in um, Greek comedy. <laughs> okay, as you were. <laughs> uh, so in this world, there is this. Um, uh patronage um this this <laughs> failing me immediately <laughs> so there's this guy uh <laughs> <laughs> there's okay there's an institute that is giving residency to artists and the institute is run by this woman jan stevens played by <laughs> gwendolyn christie known for those who've seen game of thrones um and so the artists in residence um during this period um it, yeah so they're all sonic caterers uh this artistic performance that is a combination of cooking and making music so it's a lot of submersive microphones and um uh, modulated synthesizers and performance we've all had one of these right? i actually have one of those um <laughs> Uh, some submersive microphones right now. <laughs> have you have you got a flanger? <laughs> I do have a flanger. Hey. Um. And so while while this residency is happening, also part of it is that there is this um sort of like writer that follows them around to document their experience here, and he's kind of the vehicle for the story. His name is Stones. Mm-hmm. Um. And and you see this band going through the struggles um of a band with a strong main character and um. I'm gonna, now I'm going to hand it over to you because I've lost my way. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great. You're doing great. Uh, so, yeah, so we have, you know, essentially, you know, it was really helpful for me when I started to read reviews about this afterward, where they're just like, OK, the movie never calls it this, but it's about performance art. It's about right. performance artists. Um, and it's a satire about performance artists in like academia and all that stuff. I'm like, oh, <laughs> um, because I definitely was watching this like what the fuck like i'm like this was my idea and i don't know what the fuck i'm watching um <laughs> so um yeah so basically it's sort of about you know we have this this three-piece performance artist troupe 
that gets his residency under the care of Jan Stevens, as mentioned, and is a character whose name you learn a lot because every time she walks into the room, the, the <laughs> leader of Jen Stevens, <laughs> which got me, got me every time. <laughs> um, and uh, and then, yeah, we have Stones, uh, who, who narrates the film in Greek um, and uh, who uh, is sort of... Um, yeah, for whatever reason, is our way in, even though it's not clear to us. Like, because it just it's 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 using what I saw um, generously referred to as internal logic um, mm. to uh, to sort of unpack the sort of world building this movie does. But like, he, again, the movie's like, oh yeah, you know that thing where there's a you know performance artist troupe who of course has to be chronicled by a writer who has to fart a lot. Um, <laughs> So right, he's Stones... going through a gastrointestinal situation <laughs> yeah. during the course of this residency. <laughs> Which I will say, like, as somebody who laughs at farts all the time, um, this movie doesn't really actually give you that many of them. Like, it gives you, like, one, and then a woman walks up as soon as he does it. <laughs> and I laughed really hard at that shot. Because <laughs> it's just, like, this, like, static shot. And he, like, walks into frame outside to, like, because his whole narration is just about, like, the torment he is in. Um, because he has to be around them at all times to chronicle them. Um, and so he can never, ever, and he, including sleeping in the same room as them. And so he can never, ever fart. And just a snack shot of him, like, walking outside, letting out this one tortured, strangled fart. And then one of the women from the troop just, like, walks in the frame. And she's like, hello. <laughs> um, I'm like, ah, isn't that always the way? Um, so... And, you know, in this in this sort of, um, you know, this sort of he they're making noise, he's making noise, you know, is his noise uh, an indication that he you know wants to be sort of, uh, you know, performing the way that they are. Um, so, yeah, it's sort of about like the, the internal struggles within this this trio, this oddball trio. Um, you know, we have sort of like the uh, the diva leader of the troop and then you know uh, uh, another woman and a younger gentleman all you know all of whom have had kind of varying degrees of romantic or sexual relationships with the leader um and now are sort of estranged from her but are in this in this group together making art um and then jan stevens herself um you know starts making designs on them and uh it is yeah it's really um yeah it's a weird fucking movie. Uh, and so good. There's also <laughs> this like other subplot of the residency is so desired by uh, you oh, know yeah. other performance artist groups that are these sonic caterers that there's this group called oh I can't think of the name something oh, Grove. Yeah. yeah, like the 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 mangrove snack mangrove snacks mangrove mangrove snacks, um, yes, which is a great name for like focus. a '60s. Um, mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, mod band. band yeah mod band exactly mm -hmm. that they're trying to sabotage the institute and the band because they didn't get the residency so it, it all very much lives within this bubble of a universe where you know mm -hmm. sonic um sonic catering is a thing that mm -hmm. people do and mm -hmm. uh this is the they all know it is yeah they all know what it is it has its own hen house doctor. Um, mm -hmm. People come and watch the performances. They're also all followed by orgies um, where <laughs> right. people pay their tribute. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very much about like performance art and band struggles. And um, <laughs> it is truly hilarious. If you just, you know, let go and submit yourselves to this reality, it is truly funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say, I feel like I want to, so I watched this right after I watched Happening <laughs> yesterday. Oh, no. And I think Happening, like, just didn't leave me in the right headspace for it because I was mainly just frustrated with this movie for not being as, like, immediately funny or enjoyable as I found In Fabric to be. Um, oh, okay. Which, which, which Gwendolyn Christie is also in, by the way. Oh. Um, so yeah, I, I, I struggled with this one. I was like, this is not as funny. I was also, I was thrown by the narration being in Greek. I was just like, you know, I, I, there was this element, you know, I, I had to put the subtitles on for the whole movie because there was some you know, English was being spoken from so many different accents that I wasn't able to like, uh, understand. I think many of which were probably Greek. Um, and so, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I, I did not connect with this movie as much as I, as I would have wanted to. Um, and even though like, and then like, describing it now with you, it sounds so funny, but at the time <laughs> I was like, not really like, it seemed funnier to me, like in theory than an execution. 
but yeah, but then like, you know, some of the scenes were just so flat out hilarious of like, you know, there are these moments in, you know, where Jan Stevens will convene meetings of the of the Sonic caterers and call out scenarios to them to to enact. Yes. <laughs> Many of which are frequently uh, at grocery stores. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it is it is it is very funny. Um, so I don't know. I think I need to give it a second time because the first time I think I just was I was just sitting there staring at it just like, what the fuck is this fucking movie? Yeah. And and. Uh, you definitely have to be in in the right headspace for it. Um, Stone, maybe. I watched them the other way around. I watched this one ah. last night as like a Saturday <laughs> night movie with pizza, and then I watched happening this morning after I <laughs> woke up and in like a <laughs> panic Sunday sadness. So that's oh, the way wow. I recommend seeing these. By the way, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think this was clever and 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 funny and also beautiful. And, um, oh, there's a scene where she eats this page out of a book that <laughs> is one of those moments where I'm like, what is acting like? How are these people, the reactions of everybody in the room are so good. Um, I wonder how many times they did a take of this. Like, it's just, right. it's not, you know, it's not laugh out loud. It's not jokes. It's it's just very, very dry humor. Um, but I found it <laughs> really yeah. delightful and quirky. Um, I'm giving this one a binge it as well. Jan Stevens' wardrobe, too. My goodness. Oh, my God. Her sleep hat? Whoa! <laughs> the sleep hat. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, this one is what I'm going to give a consume. So it's mm-hmm. our, our only our only disagreement this week. But a consume with an asterisk next to it of, of I need to watch it again when I'm in the right headspace. Um, and I think also watching a second time, I think I would just understand the whole thing a little mm-hmm. bit more mm-hmm. and be able to just, like, let go and, and enjoy the even even the even the ultimate reveal from the doctor at the end is just hilarious. Um <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Very Dr. Spachemin. Very. Um, <laughs> Flux Gourmet is available to rent on Apple and Amazon and is rated R. And that's it. That's it for this week. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, be sure to subscribe. And um, uh, we hope to come back again soon. No <laughs> we're on a roll. <laughs> yes, we're on a roll. But if we do go on another break, uh, you guys will know that you just missed our announcement. All right. Yep, there it is. Thanks so much, everyone. <laughs> bye bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.